This is Levy Meyer representing Compass Florida, and you're listening to the Real Talk Podcast. <laughs> All right, what's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Real Talk. Today, Levy Meyer from Compass, Florida, representing the great state of Florida. I, you know, I, he's he's got a wealth of knowledge, great stories, and it's always nice to have a friend come on the podcast. You know, just the refresher. So, listen, you are not the only person that has been on my podcast twice, but it's about time. And I'm pretty sure it won't be the last time. It so. probably won't be. It probably won't be. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna go for we're gonna go for three at least. Oh yeah, man. Well, you know, listen. Today's what today's what thirtieth. Uh, think uh, the Halloween Eve or the Halloween EV. Today's the today's the what 29th. 29th. Halloween EV. And you certainly brought the weather, the uh, the rainy weather with you. Yeah, it's um, kind of nasty out to be honest. It, with it's you. definitely <laughs> one of the worst uh, two days, rain-wise, weather-wise. Being from Miami, I'm not I'm not a stranger to, <laughs> to rain? I'm not a stranger to rain, but like being wet and cold is just not it's not a favorite. For One me. thing <laughs> that people that don't go to Miami often may not know is that it's normal to 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 have a crazy thunderstorm for two hours every day from like three to five or five minutes every two hours <laughs> you know, it's, a, yeah. it's really that's the way it works yeah but there. floridans aren't, aren't really phased by rain i guess they're phased more by the cold and you know today you have the combination of the both uh so, what, so what's going on what brings you back to new york city what are you doing oh uh, you know just networking there you go <laughs> uh, no well uh, you know honestly uh coming back to see a few friends um uh, friend with a birthday party and you know we're gonna try to keep it to a relative smaller crowd and, and maintain social distancing and all but okay. the reality is um yeah we're here we're here to, mostly to network and see some friends there's a ton of traffic from the new york to from new york to miami uh and i would say like at this point uh, close to 80 percent of my active business is coming out of new york and so it's just it's just uh, makes sense to come out here and see some people totally totally so you know as far as what you said in new york the, the new yorkers are basically just buying up properties in miami or properties in florida whether it's from west palm or palm beach all the way down to fort lauderdale to miami to where you are in coral gables and coconut grove um what what are you seeing is it just people fleeing are they renting and are they buying are they fleeing and are they uh just investing in property like what's the trend here uh, I think it's a little bit of, of, of both and all of all of the above. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of New York, and you know, you know, there's a lot of people that are that are on this mission of New York will come back. And I was, you know, I guess I guess the market is struggling here to some degree, but uh, you know, but I, I think that you know, I don't think New York needs to come back. I think it's I think it's still here, and you know, this is New York. It goes, it has its ways. It comes and it goes. But uh, there are certainly a lot of people that. Are choosing to leave the city, whether it just be for a temporary basis for three months or a year until coronavirus sorts itself out, um, or whether they're just saying enough's enough and they're tired of the taxes and they're looking for that, and they're looking for that, uh, you know, for the for to, to avoid the salt taxes and enjoy Florida's uh, Florida's no in, no no income tax laws. Uh, there's a lot of people that are moving into Florida for sunshine, for backyards, to get away from from. High, de- high density locations outdoor space so you know they're looking for outdoor spaces pools sunshine beaches you know the same things people have always looked for in florida sure um i just think that the moment maybe the climate in the city is is sort of perpetuating a little bit of a little bit of uh, motivation for people to get out and just go find a space down there right right so no, that to- totally understand i mean i guess w- what's happening right now is the accidental benefactors of covid19 is your market the Hamptons, yeah. Aspen, Vail, you know. Correct. Uh, I mean, right now, my, right now, Miami, or I oh, should say South Florida, because really Palm Beach, Boca, Fort Lauderdale, everything's really popping. Even Naples. And what about Naples, like Tampa and, Bay, like in the Bay yeah, side? Yeah, West Coast, Orlando, Tampa. Uh, you know, you look at you look at Naples and and uh, you know, and, and all the surrounding areas like Bonita Springs. Uh, we're seeing a, a huge wave of people coming, not just out of New York, but also D.C., Boston. And in, in some cases in Miami, even out of San Francisco and California. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, out of L.A. You know, I mean, you would think buyers from the West Coast, they have almost the same things out there. They do. There's a lot of politics involved in it as well. I think we're in a very heavy political climate right now. Mm-hmm. And um, there are people that are not particularly fond of the politics, the, the, the city politics of New York City. Uh, there, you know, there are people that are not particularly fond of, of, of the politics in Los Angeles and California in general. 
Florida tends to be a pretty right Republican, you know, Republican state. And so there are, you know, I'd, I'd say, I'd say, yeah, there's a lot of people fleeing for Trump land, although I'm not sure that like that Florida is going to necessarily go red or blue. This, you know, I'm, I'm not speaking to that, but I will say that, you know, we have a Republican governor and there are people that I think find the find sort of the, the Republican side of Florida a little bit more favorable, uh, whether it be taxes or otherwise. So we are seeing people of all sorts coming to Florida. Um, just to give you a couple of quick examples, for the most part, I'm not seeing a ton of people fleeing or flocking to Florida looking for condos. Most people are looking for single-family homes. They're right. looking for backyard space. They're right. looking for waterfront properties. They want a pool. They want an extra bedroom. So in addition to just seeing people within our own market fleeing to single-family and townhouse market out of the condos, we're seeing people come out of the Hamptons, the city. I have uh, two clients out of D.C., a client out of Boston that just purchased a house uh, a, a condo, I'm sorry, on the on the beach in Hollywood, in Trump Hollywood, for <laughs> for that matter. Uh, but it's it's pretty red hot, fire hot market, and uh, I'd love to speak a little bit more about that. I can give you give yeah, we'll talk about that. What's going let's on? Say, before we let's pivot back. Before we talk so much business, let's talk about life. Huh? Let's, yes, talk about, yes. let's talk about the personal part first. We can't give the listeners the dessert in the first five minutes of the pod. You know? I'm with you. Yeah, um, but so let's talk about you took a trip recently, a trip that is technically not a restricted state, at least in the state of New York, which is the great state of Colorado, one of my favorite states, and uh, our, our, one of our good friends have uh, got, got, recently got married. So, you, so talk, let's talk about that. You were in the, the city of Aspen, where the uh, beer flows like wine and the woman flocked like the salmon of Capistrano. <laughs> well, is we're, that an official statement? <laughs> that, that's, the, uh, that's the famous quote from a movie, Dumb and Dumber. There you go. Yeah. Did, did you... The wise were, words. So, so you were there. Were, were the girls flocking like the uh, salmon of Capistrano? My wife was flocking like <laughs> the salmon of Capistrano. I don't know. I, I didn't notice any of the other girls. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, it was the beer flowing like wine. Yes, but we were. But the beer was flowing like wine, and tequila was flowing like beer, and so on and so forth. And so, so, uh, so we, no, we had a really great time. I actually, bet, actually, uh, you know, our good friend Jonathan Rosen and Jordan Dickey, who is now Miss Jordan Rosen as well. Uh, they got engaged uh, somewhere in the beginning of the stay-at-home order, and they had told us that they're planning to do a wedding in Aspen. The moment they had dates, I asked if they were confirmed, and we went online and booked extraordinarily cheap round-trip tickets to, <laughs> to, to Aspen because at the time nobody was planning to fly, so they were just they were almost paying us to fly to Aspen. Oh, um, let me stop you there, by the way. For those of you that are New York City listeners, there are currently no flights, direct flights to Aspen, Colorado. You have to transfer in Dallas. I have to transfer in either Chicago DFW, or, Chicago, or, or Denver. Yeah, Chicago, Denver, or DFW. Uh, but Miami <laughs> is actually one of the great airports that has a direct flight to Aspen. Can you, can With that said, we flew through DFW. We originally <laughs> yeah. booked through Chicago. Uh, we booked through Chicago. They transferred it to DFW. They changed our flights. It was a, oh, my it, gosh. It, it was changed about four or five times between when I booked it, which I think was around April, and when we went, uh, which was what it was early it was October, just, first, was, first was week of September? first week of October. October, yeah. So, uh, but you know, we just just in the early days of shelter in place, uh, business was certainly slow. I mean, there was a lot of uncertainty in the market. Uh, you know, we thought it was doomsday. We were we were we were bracing for impact, uh, saving the deals we had was really what we were doing. And at that with that with that said. I shifted a lot of my focus to to my kids, my wife, my family. We just said, you said, you know what? If we're not gonna be busy, I'm not gonna spend ten hours a day chasing my tail to to to, to just come home and say, you know, there's nothing going nothing on in the market. Happened, yeah. I'm gonna just wait it out and take this as an opportunity to spend some time with my family. So we actually took right. a few nice trips. We went to Naples. We drove up to Georgia and spent a week in the mountains over there outside That's of right. outside That's of Blue right. Ridge. Mm -hmm. uh, we that. did we did a trip in North Carolina in. Um, uh, Outer Banks? No, what's uh, my my brain froze? I'll get back to you in a second. But we did a really nice trip in Ash Ashburn. No, it's like the it's like the mini Aspen of North Carolina. Bill it's it's like west of Asheville. Asheville, um, that's what I meant. My brain is is just frozen. I'll get back to it in a mm, second. Okay. Uh, but we did a really nice trip to the mountains in in North Carolina. So we had a lot Beautiful. of those. Nice family trips. We spent a lot of time with the kids. But one thing I was particularly looking forward to was taking my wife without the kids and going to Aspen for, for Jonathan and Jordan's wedding. 
which was originally planned to be 200 people, and and due to Corona, they had to cut it back to 50. 50. Yeah. Uh, which was which was I'm sure tough on them. Tough and cut. I'm happy to have made the cut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, we flew out to Aspen. Of course, our buddy Lane, you know, greeted us with open arms. Oh, later. Lane, Lane came and picked up Lauren and I from the airport. Drove us out to the Two Mile Ranch. Lena was uh, your yeah. your private guy Our slash private driver guy. slash. Yeah, and he's got cool stuff coming down the pipe. I mean, it's, it's pretty soon he'll be able to fly you right into Aspen. <laughs> like, that's right. That's he's right. Work, he's, he's working, working on license. that pilot license. That's right. He is getting his license. Um, but we got a chance to go out and, and spend some time at the Two Mile Ranch and enjoy enjoy you know a very small, intimate, uh, mostly outdoor wedding. Uh, with with the Rosens and it was it was a ball. How yeah. beautiful is that property, the Two Mile Ranch? Holy shit! I can say shit here, right? Yeah, of course you yeah. can. Whatever Holy you want, shit! What a property. <laughs> we stayed in a house on that ranch that was about a mile and a half from the main house on the same property. Oh my goodness! They're separated by a mountain. That's right. <laughs> you have to. That's like, right. Yeah. It's separated by wild elk. <laughs> Forests and mountains. No, they were telling us, like, make sure you close the doors at night because bears. there are bears. And we kind of laughed. And they're like, no, no, like a bear just tore up one of the jacuzzis over there. Did you there. see the jacuzzi top that was torn <laughs> so up? So we saw it. And yeah. I guess, look, that's that's just Colorado life, right? If mm-hmm. you're going to be living in Colorado, yeah. you know, there's, there's a bear th- elk to, and bear part of the deal. wanted to go for a dip, and he decided to tear up the, the lid on the jacuzzi. Uh, you know, people people ask me, it's like, they go, if I get a place in Florida, like, do I have to be worried about gators alligators am i coming in my pool and eating my kids i was like honestly i've never worried about alligators coming into the pool and eating my kids but i I suppose i can't say that it hasn't been reported for people to have found an alligator in their pool usually a little bit more west or outside of like the everglades near canals not really like in miami beach or coconut grove you'd all you do although you, you go to the parks in coconut grove which is like a seaside town and most and most of the water frontage in coconut grove uh, is designated for for park space, right? And they have all the mangroves that separate the park from the water. Yeah, and you yeah. will see signs that say like D- "danger alligators, no swimming, do, not, do not feed alligators." Not, yeah. I've never seen one. I've been living in Coconut Grove for five years now, <laughs> but but supposedly they do exist. I, I think you, you you hear those crazy news stories every now and then of like dogs like getting uh, picked up by alligators and yeah. you know, they never found again or they get attacked or. Yeah. So I guess the equivalent, I guess the equivalent is elk and bear in, in Colorado, but uh, but yeah, we got to the house and we saw that they had clawed up that uh, that that, that top. the top of that of the outdoor uh, jacuzzi. Yeah, I saw it. Um, I outside saw of that, it. I did not see a bear. I didn't see a, I didn't see an elk. All I saw was the most. I mean, we arrived for the changing of the leaves in probably what couldn't have been a more perfect time most beautiful absolutely time. stunning I mean, I mean the yellows the ambers the reds it was if, gorgeous if one if the compass if you ranked the compass offices in the nation and ranked which cities or towns are the most photogenic oh aspen you probably sure. have to say aspen is probably I up would, there as if not yeah if not top two top three i mean for sure. miami I mean, is we, photogenic i mean right? aloha hawaii but, <laughs> oh, you yeah, know, now, yeah. like, like we have some competition now oh, but like yeah. yeah miami is up there on that list for sure uh, aspen is for sure up there on that list and now we have hawaii hawaii i mean dc I mean, new york i would say is up there but i, I mean very, new york is photogenic in its own way it's, very, it's different it's but it's different. not it's not in the same no way not, not in that natural environment no sort way more an architectural exactly and more architectural state way but yeah. it's uh you know like and, and for me san francisco and la maybe are something of a blend of those two like in san francisco you have some really great architecture and you're kind of cool it's on the bay but it's i i, I wouldn't rank it per se in that in i think miami aspen and now hawaii are pretty much at the top of that hawaii list. and aspen has to be up there yeah, yeah. the hamptons I mean, you you can't, the, the hamptons season, that's a photogenic that's hamptons a photogenic. i would say hamptons is photogenic but you know when you compare it to miami there's not enough there's not enough culture color architectural styles it's more i, I, I like miami being more eccentric and diverse and from an architectural people culture and environment you know an environment standpoint rather than the Hamptons, it's great, but what do you have? The surf lodge, and you have, you know, you have the uh, down. You, you, the I have to dis- I have to disagree. I think Hampton's got to be up there in my top five for sure. Yeah, well, you live in Miami, and so. we did, and I did, and I did go to the Hamptons. I was in the Hamptons the first week of August. We I flew up. It's beautiful up there, yeah. And it was it was stunning. It was great. Yeah. I, mean, I found this great little cottage in Sagaponic. Um, had a great backyard with a with a wooden deck and a barbecue, nice. and, and the front yard had the sunset like over a, a meadow that was in front of this house. There was nothing. 
And it'll probably end up developing something on that lot, but it was vacant, so we just watched the sunset. Let's just say that all these cities that we're in, there, there's definitely some close ties between first, second, and third. Uh, yes, absolutely. But Aspen, <laughs> changing of the leaves, stunning. I mean, if you haven't seen it, I recommend making getting your getting your way out there. Supposedly, it's it's relatively hard to pinpoint because it's like a twenty day period. Sure, it kind of yeah, moves yeah. kind of moves it with every season. And there's uh, up so valley, down valley, you know, and then the, the down valley is actually a lot sooner, or it's a lot, a lot slower than, and you know, and then the main town of Aspen, main town of Aspen, the altitude's higher, it gets colder, right? So the 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 leaves change earlier there than down valley, where which is like Carbondale and Basalt down that area. Yeah. It kind of follows it. It's it's, it's a flow. Uh, but yeah, you, how, how was the wedding itself? You certainly know your Colorado. So. That that, um, uh, that that barn looked really interesting. The wedding itself was was, um, I mean, exceeding exceeded my expectations in every possible way. Mm-hmm. It was it was really a, a very intimate gathering of, of people. I would say that that really you know, people that were really good friends that really have deep love for one another. Not just the bride and the groom, but all the all the guests in attendance. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and Chef had, Bobby, huh? And Chef Bobby, Chef Bobby did a, yeah, a knockout, out. knockout. Shout out, Chef Bobby. <laughs> uh, Chef Bobby Palenza did a phenomenal job with the food. I mean, I could I could still taste the lamb. It's it was not. I mean, my my wife's a chef, and she was saying the same. Like this is just the food's really phenomenal. Everything was really great. Uh, when, when we're done um, with this recording, we get to uh, send uh, Chef Bobby a little selfie of us. See, and also maybe Lane Johnson as well. Actually, a yeah, shout out Lane Johnson. That's, uh, our, that's our boy right there. What Lane. A guy. Lane is the man. So we should do a, do a little selfie and send him a little. But message. yeah, nobody disappointed. I mean, the, from the from the venue, the property, the food. Uh, I mean, the Rosens even busted out all kinds of swag. We got hats and cups and gear. We had, you know, it was. Was it there was, a hashtag for the wedding? Um, they did have a hashtag. Um, I think it was. I'd have to pull it back up, but it was. Uh, Oh, we can uh, talk about it later. Uh, it was double double JR double JR double JR wedding double JR ranch wedding something like that. Okay, I'll have to, I'll have to pull it back up. But nice. they did have a hashtag for those that were following. Um, I mean, it was stunning. I mean, it was really they got married in the sunset. You know, in this in a huge field lakeside across from the barn next to the main house on this two mile twenty five million dollar ranch. Um, just absolutely beautiful. All mostly outdoors. The wedding itself, the 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 reception itself was in the. Um, was was in this a very large barn that they had just tricked out to be this really beautiful, uh, just a really beautiful wedding venue that had a, a white, white cloth draping. Who was that one for? <laughs> that one was for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was, it was stunning. Uh, just a great band. Uh, you know, again, it was uh, unfortunate they had to keep it to fifty instead of two hundred. And uh, you know, I don't know how much they even want me to be talking about their wedding, so I'm gonna shift off. But but it was it was very nice. Uh, it was intimate. It was socially distant to the best that it could be in having a wedding in coronavirus yeah. times. Uh, and I and I couldn't. We couldn't again. We couldn't have hit Aspen in a more amazing time. More amazing time. Really and you beautiful. hate the snow, so you know why I, why not go in the, I in the fall? Hate the snow. <laughs> I mean, snow is right up there on my list of things. Like right next to traffic. <laughs> uh, uh, I just can't stand it. So, so I, I actually enjoyed my first t- trip to Aspen was in the summer. This one was in the changing of the leaves. Uh, maybe at some point I'll I'll get up there and go actually go see it in the snow. Yeah, but. you have to. It's beautiful up there. But so for those of you that don't know the Two Mile Ranch, if you listen to one of the original episodes from 2020, uh, my, Lane Johnson was my guest. He's a listing broker for that property. Two Mile Ranch is essentially seven distinct homes, total of 22 bedrooms, on a plot of 244 acres, and it also has an addition. To the home that you stayed next to, there's another plot of land that you could build. Uh, there's a total of three also developable plots of land where you could actually build three more homes on the land, uh, which is a uh, which has a creek that is called Woody Creek that runs directly through the middle of the property, and it's currently offered on the market at twenty four point nine million dollars. Uh, I, I think Lane had an offer for to rent it for like some crazy amount, like seventy thousand. Yeah, well, well, I mean, or... I, I think I think he has several buyers that are interested in the moment. So uh, I know that while we were there, then the morning after the wedding, he was he was touring a, a very interested buyer through there. So oh, good. I, I have a lot of confidence in Lane that he's going to sell that property. The location is pretty stellar. It's just tucked away out out of the main the main, the main town of Aspen. But really, I mean, you come down the mountain essentially from the from the from the ranch. 
less than less than ten minutes to wiggle. I mean, it takes ten minutes to drive from one point to the other on this ranch. Yeah. Right, because it's it's so large. But once you get kind of out from the main house, you wiggle. It's less than ten minutes down to Woody Creek Tavern. Tavern, yeah. Which which you know is a very famous very famous spot in Aspen. Everybody goes there for drinks. And, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's a really it's a really interesting uh, opportunity. I, I there's really it, it, the prices are the price is the price. It's just it's hard to comp a a a development developable land like that in that particular part of Aspen because there's just not a, not many land acreage for sale with that many houses that are already built. Well, I'll let I'll let Lane correct me later if I'm wrong if he's listening to this, but uh, which I'm sure he will be. But I think I believe he said there are five homes over 4,000 square feet on the property itself. Wow. So, I mean, you know, plus other living quarters, you have a guest quarters, you have a, you have a staff quarters, you have a sort of a small cottage. There's, there's that, uh, there's that management on site yeah. that lives there. Yeah. And, it's a, and it's a full, I mean, it's a full ranch, you know, really, I mean, it's, they have, they have farm animals, they have people <laughs> out there working. It's, you know, it's, it's a full operational ranch. And Did you see any wild animals out there while you were there? Uh, we saw a lot of chipmunks. <laughs> saw a lot of chipmunks. I didn't see any. Something large, you don't of, see. A lot of birds. A lot of chipmunks. Uh, you know, we had a great time. We had some four by fours and ATVs. We how were how insane is that? I got a chance to, to like. I brought my drone with me just in case. Yeah. Turns yeah. out when I went to the Hamptons, as an example, I brought my drone thinking I'd get these great shots, but unless you have like a, 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 a commercial license. license that you can't, you have to punch in the code. They won't let you. The drone won't take off in the Hamptons. Oh wow. Um, you know, which I know people that like you know, Antonio Botero as an example. He got licensed to be able to do it, so he punches in his code and he can fly. He fly anywhere. But there's so many airports in the Hamptons uh, that they just don't want you flying your drones around there. Right. Um, in Aspen, I did not have that problem. I just popped that sucker in and went. You know, we flew up and nice. I got great aerials, amazing videos, great shots of the ranch. Probably one of my most epic drone selfies ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> me, me dressed up in a in black tie attire. Leaned up against a red a red ATV four by four, you know, in the backdrop of this five thousand square foot cabin style house. Send me that photo and I'll throw it into the show notes for the the listeners so they can oh, actually take show, a look. And that, that, that'll be part of the actual B roll for the for the uh, for the posting. Excellent. Yeah, that'll be that'll be cool. So you know, Aspen was great. I'm jealous. I I'm going back to Colorado in a few months too. But you know, hopefully this this COVID situation there's an uptick right now. Uh, well, what's it like right now in Florida? Because you're you're seeing a lot of news about Florida just completely being open, and the restaurants are open, and the bars are open. And the governor's, but essentially, I guess the governor is just following Trump's lead and saying, "Let's just open up the economy." So yeah, you know, I would say up until uh, up until the governor decided to go full throttle, everything open, and I'm talking everything means yes, restaurants, bars, bars nightclubs, strip clubs, all of it. <laughs> The, 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 the Dolphin Stadium has has the go-ahead, if they wanted to, to have 65,000 people in the stadium. My goodness. They've already they've already made a statement that they won't be having 65,000 people mm-hmm. in the stadium, but, but, they they are, but they are opening the stadium uh, with limited capacity, with social distancing, and so on. But if they wanted to just bring Lady Gaga or Madonna out and have a 65,000-person party... Florida's giving them the go ahead. Oh my so, God. So so yeah, I mean, uh, our governor has definitely uh, he's gone he's gone full throttle, and and it, you know whether people like that or not, you know, I'll leave it for them to decide. Uh, but but yeah, we're one of the states that you can now go to, and really everything's for the most part open. Now, with that said, I, I think that because of that, um, you know, you read a lot in the news and media that that I think you see people get this impression that. You know, you're going to go to Florida and you're going to have, you're just going to have, uh, you know, spring breakers riding alligators, coughing in each other's faces. Um, and, and it's really not like that. Almost everywhere you go, from, from what I see, people are wearing masks. They're respecting social distancing. There are some people that don't, and you're going to have those people in every city, I yeah, think. Yeah. But for the most every part, state, every city. I, I don't see that at all. Uh, I think people are respectful, but those that are open to going into a restaurant or a bar go, and those that aren't are staying home. And... Uh, I'm seeing it actually play out pretty well. Oh, good. Um, you know, on the contrary, right, on the flip side of that, before I came to New York for the first time, you know, I heard that uh, I heard that it was it was miserable. People were locked inside their apartments. Everything was closed, and like homeless people were kidnapping your children on mm-hmm. the streets. Yeah. And, and and I got here, and I actually saw nothing couldn't could have been further from the truth. Yeah. Uh, you know, my last trip to New York right after the Hamptons, when I stopped in, and we went, you know, we had a little. Little, we had a little uh, 
happy hour at the one hotel rooftop yep. in Brooklyn, and yep. you know, but Beautiful I went day. to the one hotel rooftop Brooklyn. We went to a rooftop in 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 Dumbo. Uh, you know, I had I had breakfast on the streets of Greenwich. I, I had I had lunch on a uh, on an enclosed street in Alphabet City, where they're just I mean they're just literally at, they were blocking off city city streets and doing outdoor dining. People were wearing shorts and hats and drinking rosé. Uh, it did not seem to be the dreary run for run for the hills new york city that i think the media portrayed and so to that i'd say in general you know just don't watch the news yeah <laughs> you know? exactly yeah stay it's, away from the media it's, it's definitely a far cry from what the news outlets are saying is new york is dead or new york is a it's a lawless state it's it's pretty, yeah. it's pretty crazy what people are saying in the media but yeah, if you just listen to the media, obviously sometimes you have to look at the real world and say, "All right, I'm gonna let me turn off CNN or Fox, and actually visit these cities and see what's really going down." Uh, we're full of life. We're we're kicking it. But Florida, but Florida is still Florida. You know, there's the hashtag because Florida for a reason. Um, and yeah, I mean, we've certainly we've certainly throttled a little more forward and really loosened up, opened up the gates, if you will. Nice. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But again, you know, Florida's known for outdoor spaces. I think as it gets colder here More. in New York City, and then you, you're no longer be able to sit outside and enjoy rosé and your shorts and your cool hats, you know, with outdoor dining, uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out when people can't go to the parks and and sit outside on their terraces. Uh, my opinion is is you'll start to see more people as the snow hits the ground start to really say, you know what, we're sheltered in place still, or we're not sending our kids to school, or we're work from home. You know, we're, we're remote, remote learning and working. The schools and every, you know, if, if things are closed and people are feeling a little trapped in their in the city, not just New York, but most densely populated winter cities, I think New, Miami is going to be a lot more appealing to people. It generally is. We're, our season tends to be winter. That's when people come down and, get, and they want to slice in Miami. Uh, I call it. We call it bragging season. Uh-huh. Back yeah, at home. it is. It uh, is and we're really sure. moving into bragging season because summers are brutal. They're miserably hot. Oh my god, so humid. It's disgusting. Yeah. But our winters are are just it's bragging season. Uh, I can't yeah. believe uh, you know when we all went down there. It was almost it was basically a year and a month ago, or no, it was almost a year a uh, uh, year minus a month. Yeah, just about right. right? It was November. Next, November. Next November month of last 19. year. It was. So, yeah, it's almost the anniversary of the of the Compass Retreat. And, my God, the weather was perfect out there. and That is the best time to be And uh, I, I took a, a, a side trip, fishing trip, down to the down in the Everglades, and it was per, weather was perfect, no mosquitoes. You go to the Keys the, a lot, right? You do, I, go, you, you I go, usually like, go to go the deep, Keys. Yeah, you're like a, you do deep sea fishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, back, uh, backcountry flats. Uh, we do wreck, which is basically wreck fishing is like basically anywhere where there's a sunken ship. Uh, we do wreck fishing. I don't get I don't get invites to these trips probably because I'm not that athletic. Well, it, no, it has nothing to do with athleticism. <laughs> if, if you love to if you love to fish and you want to be you're okay with being on a skiff for eight hours in the ocean, then yeah, come on come on the trip. You really have to love fishing to be on the water for that long though. I mean, you know, you own a boat. You know, it's not, it's not easy being on a, a bathroomless boat with you know with your buddy for six seven eight hours in the middle of the ocean with basically not a lot of sunlight cover. Yeah, I have, a, I have a, I, so so there there is a huge distinction. You're right between being a boater and being a fisherman. That's right. Um, and 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 while I am a boater, an avid boater, I love to go out on the boat with my friends, with my kids and wife. Like we, we you know, we I, I typically consider my boat more of a bay boat. So we we just bob around the bay. We go jump on an island, dock up. Yeah. You know, kids play in the sand. We crack out sandwiches. We might go for for you know waterfront dining. Sometimes we'll just go out and drop anchor and watch the sunset. That's most. And that's drink like a, drink a that's tree. everybody's speed right there. You know, that's like everybody's everybody speed. can get down with that. But yeah. like fishing is sort of next level. My son Benjamin, who's six years old, uh, is really starting to to harp heavy on fishing. He's oh, like, good. He wants to fish. He wants Love to it. fish. So my 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 buddy and boat partner Adam Yormack, uh, he uh, who's who's also a title attorney in Florida. Uh-huh. Uh, he he's he's a little bit more. He's actually from Colorado, so he's the outdoorsman guy. Nice. You know, he's got yeah. a rock climbing wall at his house. He's got oh he built his kids a zip line. They have a, a rope climbing net. Oh my god! Uh, that's you amazing. know, he's got he's got the outdoor. He's 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 got the bikes. He's so he's he's. Uh, I usually leave it to him actually to take point on those types of things. Sure, so sure. He's, He's doing getting all the fishing gear and all that sort of stuff. So we're 
he, he's actually been pushing me to get, get into kind of spear fishing. So we're going to start. Oh, okay. We're going to start getting into the fishing um, and sort of leveling up from just bopping around in the bay to actually using that boat for. Dude, spear fishing, I feel like, is one of the most extreme. People don't know this. I don't know if listeners know this, but spear fishing, when you spear a fish and you catch it, you bag it in your net. That net is literally on your shoulder while you're spearing other fish. Yeah. So if you think about blood in the water in Florida, basically a dead fish on your shoulder, and you're, fi- you're looking for other fish, you know what's coming right behind you, right? You know what attracts other <laughs> dead fish from blood in Florida. <laughs> you will literally have sharks right up your neck trying to snag that dead fish away from you. So I, it's, it's, it's a pretty scary sport, but no, I, I love the fact that your son is getting into it and uh, maybe one day we could, you know, we could go out with your son. Uh, Definitely. Uh, always a good time to go fishing down there. So let's switch gears. Now we're in, we're in basically 30 minutes. I just want to kind of touch base of touch base on, you know, why you're here. You're talking about business. You're connecting with other brokers in New York city. A lot of New Yorkers you find are now the main or one of the main source of buyers who are buying up property in Miami. You recently closed a $5.15 million deal. Uh, just talk about that. You know, what would, what happened? Why, why is it, you know, really, yeah, yeah. a really I mean, expensive I'll, price? Well, the market, the market in general is really hot. Yeah. Um, uh, my friend Antonio Botero from, from Boston, from the Hamptons, oh, Hamptons. I'm sorry. from the Hamptons. Uh, you're talking about Antonio Curie from Boston. Do, 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 do. <laughs> oh, 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 sorry. Antonio, Antonio. Uh, Shout out, shout out for the shout out for the Antonios. Both Antonios, yes. Uh, who also who also recently sent me a referral from from Boston. He's the one that sent me the the buyer um, for the Trump Hollywood unit on the beach in okay. Hollywood. That was a, that's a three bedroom apartment in in uh, that's a three bedroom apartment in the Trump Hollywood. Huge panoramic, eastern you know Atlantic Ocean facing views. We bought that for one million four fifty. Um, and, and that was completely virtual. I have, I actually to date have not met those buyers in person. Um, I did video tours of the property. They knew exactly which building and line they wanted to be in. We went and found the best deal that we could get, uh, just playing off of the different units there, just finding whoever's going to give us the best deal was going to get, the, was going to get the buyer. They were okay with that, knowing which line they wanted to be in. And we closed that sale without meeting the buyers still to this date. Um, I actually had actually never even visited the units until we had one under contract and I went to do the inspections and the, uh, inspections and the, and the walkthroughs there. Um, so that, and that's not uncommon. I've actually done four sales in Miami to date, um, that without meeting the buyers until they were already under contract and hard. Is and it just because they didn't want to travel? Is it because of logistics? Yeah. I mean, for the most part, yeah, they were, they were in, uh, Two, two of them in New York, one in Boston and one in D.C. that they just they didn't want to travel or they were concerned about about being having to quarantine when they got back. Yeah, one yeah. of them had a baby on the way. They didn't want to expose his wife. So they relied on, on me to go through virtually. So, you know, luckily I, I always get the biggest, baddest iPhone and this thing with the wide-angle camera lens. Oh. Uh, you know, you do a walkthrough. I'm very descriptive. We talk about all the, you know, we, we do a lot of zoom-ins. I, I, I hop in the golf cart and drive around the block and show them the neighborhood. We do Zoom calls so I can show them aerials. Uh, I try to be as, as open about, like, what's a good area, what's a bad area, what I will and won't recommend. In the end, if I haven't, if they haven't set foot, the pressure is really on me that they're going to show up here and like this place. <laughs> so what I don't want is, is to have somebody come and, and, and say, why did I and buy say, this? why did you sell me this piece of right. junk? So, you know, we're, I try to be as full disclosure, lots of video. I mean, lots of three minute video clips, you know, back and forth. I think with, with one of them, I, we counted it was something like 65 video, <laughs> three minute video Jeez. clips that we did to get this house for him. Good. Um, Good. Good. But yeah, well, that's, that's just been our market. We're doing some of it virtual. Um, Antonio referred me this buyer who was coming out of the Hamptons. Uh, he's got a place in Brooklyn. He's got a place in the Hamptons. He was looking for a place in Miami, and he wanted to make that his permanent residency. Um, you know, the, the, all the reasoning. I'll leave tax I'll leave, purposes. I'll leave. I'll leave it. You know, to your imagination and for his privacy. But you know, he, for for all for for any and all the reasons, he he wanted to be in Florida and he wanted to make that his primary home, uh, and keep you know the Hamptons maybe a secondary Second and, and or Brooklyn a secondary. Um, we went shopping for waterfront houses in Miami Beach. And it's not easy or cheap to get a house in water in Miami Beach, but recently there's very limited inventory because the you know what's what's priced well is moving. What do you mean by waterfront? Are you talking about more towards like just the South Beach oceanfront, or are you talking more towards 
uh, like the coconut grove, like in the canal. Would you consider that waterfront? So I think we spoke about this on my last podcast. Uh, so if anyone wants to go back and check out yes. the Lady Meyer podcast 1.0, 1. 0, uh, you, you will talk. We talked a lot about the, about being on the water in Miami, sea level rise. You know the differences between being on on the canal versus being on the ocean versus being on the bay, uh, and and what you really look for when you're looking to buy a waterfront property from from checking out the, the structural integrity of the seawalls to the bridge heights mm -hmm. to storm surge flood zones elevation things like that um, but but for this particular client he just wanted to be on the water so that he had access to have a 28 or a 32 foot boston whaler be able to go out in the bay and or go fishing with his son and so you know we were looking for water frontage with ocean access so ocean access um, is key. yeah now again the higher the, the you know the higher the bridge or if there are no bridges to the bay Typically, you know, that, that creates a little more value. Some people want waterfront open views versus if you're on a canal facing other homes or facing towards, you know, so there's a lot of different stuff. But in this particular one, this is on a canal the on, on, on a street called Lakeview. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for those that want to check it out, it was 4955 Lakeview Drive. We'll put that in the show notes yeah, too. Yeah, Lakeview being one word. But okay. um, this particular house, it was originally listed at 62 uh, was on the mark for quite a bit. They didn't get a, a ton. I mean, they had traction activity. It's a beautiful home. Was it listed last year? It was. Uh, yeah, I think end of end of end of nineteen. Right. Or maybe early twenty. I have to go mm -hmm. back and look. But it had been on the market for some time, um, pre-COVID. I think within once once COVID sort of settled and we started getting a lot of activity from New York, these properties started just dropping like flies. Um, we had offered. Four nine because I put the comps at a, at about high fours, just below five million dollars, and the seller didn't tell us to jump in a lake. They came back and made a counter in the in the mid fives, and once they did that, the listing agent said, hey, "Look, if you're going to be countering in the mid fives, we should not be listed at six two. She got them to drop it to five seven during our negotiation, uh, and we quickly just agreed and tied it up at five one five. My advice to my buyer at the time was that I felt that was a bit of a premium to where the comparables were and, and where the market was pre-COVID. You immediately disclosed, <laughs> Mr. Buyer, just FYI. Oh, yeah. I no, think no. you're paying a couple more points or maybe in the double-digit points more than but what we were, the yeah, yeah, were We were very clear year. that I felt, look, the, if you just look at the comps, there's a, there are many arguments to even say, you know, there, there were two similar-looking homes that were 3.8 and 3.9. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, but... But similar on paper, not in reality. And this house was completely updated. All the plumbing was redone. There's things you have to look for in, in older Miami homes, like cast iron pipes being updated to PVC piping. You have to understand the seawalls and the roof structure and, and you know plumbing, electrical, all these different things. So when you compare apples to apples, location, updates, you know this this place had hardwood uh, herringbone floors and it was, it was updated by, a, by a, a known designer in Miami. So it was something more special than the others. And I even not only ran my own comps, but checked with several agents. And we all kind of agreed that it was, it was about five million, maybe high fours, but to go over five was definitely paying a premium. So at 515, we were paying a premium, but nothing that we, he, he couldn't live with. Um, and in the times, given everything that was going on, it just made sense for him to tie this up for his family and have a place to go. So we did that, did inspections, did appraisal. We were having some challenges in inspections and appraisal, which we had to overcome. Um, the seller really didn't care to, to contribute or make any contributions back after the contract uh, because they felt that they gave the property away and we felt we were paying a premium. Yeah. Difference in opinion. Sure. Uh, nevertheless, we decided to proceed and at, it got to a point where the seller actually wanted to cancel the contract. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and the buyer said, absolutely not. We're buying this house. We have a contract to do so. Uh, without getting into the nitty gritty details of that. Well, the seller uh, can't <laughs> cancel. Well, they, they can still cancel the contract. It's, they just have to get a deposit back. There's no repercussion really on the buyers. I mean, you can sue them. You can try to enforce it. So, so you know, again, without getting into nitty gritty details, uh, but exactly how everything transpired, we, we gave pushback. They can, you know, they they proceeded to want to cancel. We said that's not going to happen. There was a lot of back and forth. It was a very uncertain two week period. But throughout that two week period, the first offer they came to the seller with the buyer with was, "We'll reimburse you for your expenses. Just walk away. We're not, you know, we we don't want to sell it to you." He said, "No, we want to buy the property." A couple of days later, they came and offered him a hundred thousand dollars to not buy the house. So basically, we're going to give you your contract deposit back. We're going to refund your deposit plus. plus an extra Plus a hundred thousand dollars, just hit the road. Just to just to walk away. Hit the road, Jack. 
So we said we said in in in, in more complex terms, go fish, <laughs> uh, and uh, you know no dice, and you know they, they went back and forth for a couple of days. A couple of days later, they came back and said, okay, look, we'll, we'll give you two hundred grand. Just don't you know take to a, walk away, walk away, cash. And my buyer was going, hey, two hundred grand's a lot of money to not to not buy a house. That's a pretty damn good investment. But you know, in all in all frankness, like he. He asked me, take 200 grand, buy the house. I said, if you had another house to buy, a 200, we'll take it and put another house. <laughs> there are no, there were no other reasonable homes. That extra 200 Beach. grand isn't going to do anything in terms of changing the options. Yeah, and all the other homes were also, you know, going upwards in price and the inventory is very low and there, were, they think, weren't good options. What do you think was going behind the scenes with the sellers there? I mean, I think it was, they did not tell us and to this day we still don't know. But yeah. I think uh, it, being in the industry and being pretty clear, it's pretty obvious that they had a much higher offer. Probably the full, once they went to the 5.7, my guess was that they got the full 5.7 offer and they wanted to go and take that because after he said no to 200, yeah, they came back and offered 300. Wow. So, wow. $300,000 just to walk away. Just, not, to, just to not buy a not house. Not buy a house. To That's got to be one of the best deals in history of a single family transaction. So, you know, needless to say, what we felt with maybe paying a premium yeah. to to the market, you know, turned out because our market is that hot and because there aren't many, many uh, properties that you can get at a five million, you know, like that, the, the barrier to entry for waterfront Miami beach is, 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 I mean, you really can't get anything under $5 million. Under five. So to be just over and if five, it is, it's this, probably a teardown. Yeah, and the house is absolutely stunning. It's an old Miami home with a huge back. It's 17,000 square foot lots, a huge front yard, huge backyard, 20 foot privacy hedges. I mean, it, it really is sort of like Miami meets Miami meets uh, the Hamptons meets Mykonos. And it's, it's just this wow. really, really, really great property. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, even with 300,000, we had pretty much just decided, look, there may be a threshold. It's a price at which it just doesn't make sense to walk away. But for 300 grand, it, it wasn't something that he felt was worth, uh, having to sit on the sidelines. He wanted to get down to Miami. He wanted to have his family living there. Uh, your quality of life beats over at this point. And if somebody, if, if, if they have a high enough offer that they're willing to pay him 300 grand and they could still make money on the back end, flipping it to someone else. Well, I guess, you know, you just start to get to feel that, that you actually got yourself a pretty good buy. How did you, how were you able to convince the sellers to close on this? Um, I mean, we just, by, at that point, it was pretty clear by rejecting 100 and then 200, 200 and 300, 300 that we weren't going to close. I was kind of half expecting to come back and be like, okay, here's a half a million bucks. Sure. But that didn't happen. They said, okay, we'll see you at the closing table. That's and, good. So they, we, you didn't we, have to force their arm or twist their arm or do anything of, of that nature to get this deal done. You didn't have to threaten a lawsuit or... Again, we won't get into all the logistics okay, of fine. the back end. We'll try to keep that... But at the end of the day, they closed that 515. Now, your buyers, you know, after they closed, they walked in the, you know, the key into the keyhole, opened the door... As soon as they walked in, do you think that property today is worth more than five one five? I think I mean in today's market, with as hot as Miami is right now, um, yeah, absolutely. I think I think he can. We can easily put that property back out to market, probably at six million. <laughs> oh my goodness! And, and and be get and probably get offers above five five. Even five, seven, though you five, warned him in the beginning that you may be paying a premium for this. But that was in a that was in a you know again based on comparables in a pre COVID in a pre COVID world, which again in the beginning of COVID we thought you know brace for impact this is all over. But once we saw people running out of the cities into the suburbs they're going into the hamptons they were going into westchester they were running into into you know whatever whatever other suburbs yeah. you have of the northeast and escaping to places like miami and naples and west palm beach um yeah we got to this point where you know the markets the market's hot prices are driving up their inventory is down inventory for single family homes in miami-dade county is down 36 percent my goodness year over year there's no, there are no homes to buy I posted a, an off-market pre-construction townhouse on my Instagram. One photo. I said, four-bedroom, brand-new construction, delivers in, deliver inside of 60 days. All these days. You, uh, you know, $1.385 <laughs> I had six or seven agents hit me up in my slide into the DM to, to hit me up, ready to buy. <laughs> We've done two showings. I've shown it to two buyers virtually. We're, we're going to sell that, without a doubt, off-market before it's ready. My goodness. Um, and once, and if we get to a point where we don't sell it off market and we finish it and furnish it and stage it, we'll probably sell it for one five. My That's, uh, I listed a house for one eight that I comped at about one six, one six five aggressively, but the market was hot, so we said let's go for it. It sits on an acre in Pinecrest. That's a huge pool. 
covered terraces, plenty of bedrooms and large pool closets. Pool is kind of key, huh? It's super key in this, it, it in this market. It does raise the value the, of the, a the, home. Yeah, people searching for pools. I think they said the increase of people searching for pools was up like 40% or 60% or you something know, crazy. Hindsight is always 20 But we lived that right? 1.8. We, we ended up going to contract above asking. Above asking, okay. And we have a backup. We have a backup significantly above asking, waiting for the first buyer to drop out. My God, my goodness! Uh, right That's now, the amazing. gate. Right now, the yeah. The, the trick in Miami is is inventory, inventory, yeah. inventory, inventory. If you have it, it will sell. In the single family home market, uh, condos are a little slower. There's plenty of inventory. There's not a ton of people jumping. Yeah, why is that? You know, I, I, I mean, you had that Porsche Tower listing for quite some time, which, which was asking how much again? Which we were listed at. Five, five. Nine, five nine. I think we reduced to five and a front, quarter. But that was an ocean view condo on the basically on the beach, right? High rise yeah. condo. Yeah, and it wound up renting for for mid twenty thousands per month. Okay. Um, and you know it's still rented today. Yeah. Um, the, but the condo market I think is a little more slow just because people are still squeamish about. Uh, sharing elevators, hallway spaces, sure. common areas, mm-hmm. gyms, the pools. Also, during shutdowns, they lock it all down. You can't use the can't gym. Use the you gym can't use the pool. Now you're trapped in your apartment and you can't do anything. And you're, So, you know, I think people are looking for that freedom, the flexibility, the control. Sure. Um, and they want those outdoor spaces. They want a yard and a pool. And That, that, that totally makes sense. The, 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 the precise reason why New York City right now is in the state that it is, it's not dead, but it's certainly struggling. It's because most of New York City housing are high rises, yeah, mid rises, and high rises. But I think if I were somebody looking to move to Miami and looking for opportunity, there's a, there may be some opportunities in in condos. Again, I'm not sure that all the sellers have caught up with the fact that the market's really sluggish in condos, but nevertheless, plenty of inventory. If one person doesn't, you know, if, if you go to a particular building, there might be. 10, 10 or 15 units on the same line. Just pick the one you want most and go see who's going to give you the best deal for it. It doesn't really matter if you're on the 12th or 14th floor. Yeah, yeah the know? condos are definitely... Uh, and that's how there. we did it in Trump Tower. You know, We had four different units to choose from. We said, look, we are buying a unit in this building. It's either going to be yours or it's going to be someone else's. And if you don't give us a great deal on it, then your neighbor's going to set the lowest comp. So just you know, it's just a matter of how much you want to get this deal done. And maybe that's aggressive, maybe that's a little rude, but it's it, that's the market there. Now switch to single family homes. We put that house on in Pinecrest on the market. Within three days, we had five offers and twenty people lined up to see it the next week. <laughs> so you know, we were in a position where we where we did actually didn't have any great cash offers, but we were able to go to the buyers and say, look, we have two offers of, above asking price. Come back with your best and final and and. Here's a few things the seller would like to see: no, no appraisal contingencies or very limited ones, um, short inspection periods, big deposits. You know, yeah, sure. Like they want to see this as close to a cash purchase as possible. So give me your best and finals, and that's how we, we that's how it's rolling over there. Well, there you have it, folks. It's certainly a seller's market, and if you are a buyer and you're looking for inventory, you may have to call the Meyer group to see what else is out there because I'm sure some of these people are asking you, maybe you have something off market. Maybe you know a neighbor of a neighbor of an ex-seller that is interested in potentially entertaining some offers. And if I could deliver a message to any would-be agents and or people that are looking to run to Miami to do a rental or escape even for the winter, it's getting, I mean, rentals are on the rise. It's getting scarce. It's going to get even worse. There were people that that, that got ahead of the curve in uh, in June and July and started renting up properties. I have a client now with a $90,000 budget to rent a waterfront home in Miami. Mm-hmm. We Nothing. Called, there, were, there were about 16 properties on the market that met their criteria. I called each and every one of those agents. Nothing, nada. Either they wouldn't rent it for the three-month period or they wanted, or it was already rented in most cases. It was all they already oh, okay. had it rented. Yeah. Um, or they wanted, you know, there was a property that was really nice for ninety thousand, and they want, but they wanted for three months. They wanted one hundred and twenty a month. Or they one hundred and twenty grand a month for a three month. months. So yeah. I mean, we did actually manage to find them from an Instagram post. I posted on Instagram through the network. Another agent at Compass in Miami said, "Hey, I have a client who have a house that, you know, they haven't traditionally rented it when they don't use it, but let me see." And we we've. Uh, we're signing today after a lot of negotiation back and forth on an eighty five thousand dollar rental a month. I'm curious about you know all the work you do the the cheddar bisque, the cheddar biscuit, on a rental deal. How does that work in Miami? Do you get do you guys split it uh, like a is it like a 
percentage split of a certain time period, or does the owner pay you? Uh, so, so in general very, terms, very you... different. Rentals in Miami work very differently than New York. In New York, I think the buyer or the land, the tenant pays. A, Usually, a the fee. tenant pays. Yes. In Miami, the tenant does typically does not pay. There are some cases where they, you know, the seller the landlord doesn't want but to pay at a commission. This price, but it's but price it, point. no, no, the, this it's it's pretty standard. Um, typically speaking, when you when you put a property on the market for rent. Uh, the landlord agrees to pay the brokers ten percent of the gross rent divided between the, the, the two brokers. The yeah. Two brokers. So, brokers. so you know, or in, traditionally, if you, if you bring your own person, ten percent just to one. But typically speaking, it's ten percent of the gross annual rent divided by two. In so if it's a hundred thousand for three months, it's three hundred thousand dollars. Ten percent, you get thirty thousand divided. Thirty thousand divided by two, yeah. it's fifteen with your brokers and your splits sure, and Uncle sure. Sam or whatever. You make whatever, five dollars an hour, yes. Yes, you make five dollars. <laughs> by the time it's done, my wife always says she made me. She's not very good at math. She's never. She never excelled in that study. She's like, but she knows damn well that three percent of a million is fifteen thousand. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it. And that's, that's broker it. math for you. Three percent of one million, fifteen thousand. There you have it, folks. You guys think we make a killing? Let's let's look at let's revisit those numbers again. Yeah, it's, it's right. But yeah, on this on this particular deal, exactly. Yeah, over three months, it's ten percent. Uh, you know, so it's good. You know, something like two hundred sixty-five thousand. So it's twenty-six something thousand divided by two agents. Split between whatever or referral fee to the agent in New York. Oh yeah, that's a, there's takes always their, something. Everybody Compass take, takes their split and basically everybody gets a piece. It's a nice steak dinner. <laughs> everybody gets um, a piece. But what I'm more excited about on that, uh, you know, I, I didn't take that on because it, it was actually an exercise in futility. It was something of a of an mission impossible. Mm-hmm. Even to say that sounds crazy. Ninety thousand dollar budget. Yeah. You should be able to rent there's any really house not. you want in Miami. Sure. But the inventory is getting so dry that it actually was really difficult to find a house. And it was one of the more challenging transactions that I had, but I did it because it was a referral from a compass agent in New York, and yep. I wanted to service my my colleague. Sure. Um, and That's really, very and, and less about the money, more about just the getting the client in there, building a relationship, so that you know when they do want to buy something in Miami or as their friends follow, you know, for the most part, they'll be able to. That that, that will that will breed future business and relationships. Well, there you have it, folks. That's Levy Meyer. If you, if you have any questions about the Miami market, this is the guy to know. This is the guy to speak to. If you have friends that are thinking about moving there or if you have a client that wants to buy there or rent there, listen, it doesn't even have to be a referral. Just knowledge base is always important. So you want to speak to somebody that has the street cred, that knows the lay of the land, and knows the market like it's back of his hand, and also has the experience. You know, the one thing that we always teach in our real estate industry is you cannot teach experience. Right. You know, experience is only through experience, and you learn through failures. And you, know, you don't want to refer your own network to someone that is still learning and is making, while growing, it's great, but you don't want somebody that's making mistakes on your personal network in order for them to grow. So uh, I'm going to put Levy's contact again in my show notes. Uh, it'll be also in the post. Uh, if you have any questions, obviously, feel free to reach out to me as well. Levy, I appreciate your time. Do you want to end in a, do you want to say something, if you want, you know, take another minute or two to say something else to close it out? No, I think we covered it all. Uh, you know, but yeah, we're, we're open, clearly. So come on, <laughs> come on down to Miami, enjoy it. Um, it's, uh, we're, we're really, you know, it's, it, it really is bragging season and you should probably come down and get yourself a slice of it. Oh yeah. All right, Levy, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Shout out to Levy Meyer from the, of the Meyer Group. Come Florida.